Hey, what's going on, guys? Today, Dave and I answer your listener questions like we always do. If you guys want to take part in the next show, then comment below or on Patreon. We will answer your questions then. Plus, comments, likes, all that stuff. It helps to boost our programming and the algorithm. Thank you guys for everything you do. This week, we're going to talk about what your test level should be between cycles to best recover your health. We talk about the idea of high aromatizers and how it might actually be an issue with estrogen clearance. In fact, I dropped a little standalone segment in, so stay tuned for that. What's a good start? Starting dose for growth hormone to not get side effects like numb hands. Is it easier to lose fat or gain muscle? What's the craziest cycle Dave and I ever did? Uncle Dave's advice and a bunch more. If you're new to our content, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell. We have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. Tons of education and entertainment from a variety of different IPB pros, experienced coaches, and educators in our industry. So you can get a ton of different valuable perspectives. You could shape your own ideas. All right, guys, let's get to the program. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally, and all of our programming is brought to you by you guys, the people at Patreon. Thank you very much for supporting our programming. I've got a couple questions from Patreon today. We are brought to you by evalbloodanalysis.com. Dave, you've got a seminar coming up in Holland. Uh, what? Remind me of the city, and we'll get back to that later today, too. But it's in a different city. Yeah, it's in, uh, I've been saying the wrong place. It's in Veldhoven. Um which is, I believe, near Rotterdam, and I've so, been saying somewhere else. So and what's I the date on that? Sunday. Okay, so Sunday. So if you're watching this live, guys, be sure to head out. If you're in Holland, go hang out with Dave for a seminar. We're also brought to you by Strom Sports Nutrition. Um, you can uh, shop with them for great health and performance supplements. They've got some awesome health stacks, so check them out if you're in the UK. And, of course, supplementsource.ca. For our Canadians, last but not least, truenutrition.com, the title sponsor, the first company that ever believed in our programming. You could use our code THINK to get additional savings on high-quality third-party tested supplements there. Dave! So the people who see this recorded on YouTube, which, by the way, YouTube, thank you for nothing for not monetizing our last episode. Um, they're going to be seeing this a week late, but today is a very special day. Do you know what today is? It's not my birthday. It's my country's birthday. It's when we decided that we weren't going to put up with you anymore, specifically you. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have left, Dave. But we got tired well, of your, your BS. It's it's not your country. What do you mean? You stole it. <laughs> yeah, that did kind of happen, didn't it? Yeah. So I you're think... celebrating retaining the stolen goods that you robbed <laughs> off the, the locals. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, yeah, anyway, though, we got a bunch of stuff for you guys today. As always, uh, if you want to take part in the next show, comment below. Uh, plus, comment on uh, Patreon. Patreon gets priority. But we have a bunch of questions from YouTube. I wanted to start with this one, Dave, because we had um, a little follow-up here. So last week, I was saying that I found that if I did a cruise dose that was too high, that my hematocrit over time would become an issue. And that simply going down and getting my test into normal levels, that that corrected it. So follow-up question here. Uh, Scott, you said that 300 milligrams was creating a problem for you, high hematocrit. I assume bodybuilders get the same. Um, they Then how can they maintain all this mass 
do you think it's because they are cycling and taking TRT at 150 milligrams? I'm curious what dosages they take when they are off their cycles. I think this is a great conversation, although obviously it'll vary a lot, you know? It varies massively. Um, I know one pro, um, retired now, who used to do four weeks on, four weeks off everything. Um, obviously, depending on Esther's stuff, he was never really truly off-off, but then he never went particularly high doses. I mean, he genuinely was a gram or less. Yeah. Um, I know a couple of other pros that come down to legit TRT dosing. I know other pros that their TRT dose is three, 300 mega or 200 mega test and 200 mega master or stuff like that as well. Uh, and I know plenty of amateurs that will run 200, you know, 250 test and 100, 150 primo or master and, and call it an enhanced TRT. Yeah. Um, so it ranges massively. Um, regarding maintenance of muscle mass, particularly on a pro level, there's a huge genetic element there. Um, and that plays a much bigger count than people think. I mean, I'm nowhere near the size I was. I'm nowhere near carrying the muscle mass I used to do. I've been on a test level of around 20 to 24 end mole for the last four or five years, and I've very carefully maintained it around there and not let it get higher. Yeah. Um, and, and what's the and range? Because that's uh, you're speaking a foreign UK, language to me. Right. UK upper limit is 29. Okay. So you're like, you're you're decent. You're, you're not you're kind of in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, I'm about 900 NGDL, all right? Okay, yeah, so you're a higher end then. Well, um, yeah, but that's, well, the sort of lower end of higher end, if you know what I mean, higher end of mid-range, so 800, okay. 900. Because yours 1,200, isn't it, upper limit? Okay, yeah, the, yeah, we have a couple ranges, but for the range that goes to 1,200, you'd be at about 900, which is, you know, a healthy healthy level, you know. I yeah. and, and I think, too, I want to point but, out. But my, my yeah, go ahead. Was, I, I probably trained my, my arms, particularly my biceps, five times in the last two years. No kidding. And I still carry a 21-inch arm. Let's see that gun. Well, this is the thing. It's not it's not a shitty fat thing either. Yeah. You you still got arms on you, man. You still do. And, and, but that's genetics. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, this, imagine, so, if, imagine if he was gassed up, guys. <laughs> so the, 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 the point is that my maintenance is, is just a genetic gift. Yeah. Um, so you've got to remember that pros in particular are outliers when it comes to genetic profiling. They are very unique individuals and what they do and how they operate doesn't apply to mere mortals. It, it is a different setup, but you know, grounded in good solid training with good solid diet. If your development was driven by your training and not your Boom. drug use, yes. then you can maintain your development easily for two three months at natural ranges beyond that you'd probably see some degradation but you're gonna get a decent amount of time definitely enough time to bridge a cycle to let a lot of negative impacts reduce but also obviously in regards to actual blood thinning you can physically take action with that via supplementation or via something like a bloodlet yeah now if i may speak for myself here because he was saying, you know, I, I said that I was doing 150 and how could pros, you know, let me say this, pros aren't taking a ton of time off. 
So that downtime on TRT, they aren't doing that for seven months. You know what I mean? That's like an eight week period, maybe where Mm -hmm. figure that if your red blood cells turn over in five weeks, if you were to bring your test levels down, like, I mean, don't don't just come to 300, but like stop all gear for two weeks. Let your levels bottom out and then bring it up to like a standard level. After about a month and a half, your hematocrit's going to be down a good deal. You're not going to have lost anything in that period of time. And any deflation that you get, it's just glycogen. From there, we're getting ready to get back on that next cycle. So really, that down period is just a a, a period to, to take that break. Now, for me, what I was trying to do when I talked about this is I was running like 300 for a year or two straight. You know what I mean? And and that's where I ran into those issues. I thought to myself, well, I don't really want to quite cycle, but I don't want to not cycle either. And I ended up in this kind of murky gray area where I ended up with a lot of side effects. And the reality was once I did come down to a TRT level, my ability to maintain muscle mass at that point was absolutely zero difference. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is as well, obviously, a cycle is going to elevate blood thickness. It's going to elevate hemoglobin. It's going to elevate red blood cell count. And as a result, your micro is going to increase. Um, you only need to be at a test level that will maintain that level. And yeah. you're going to get no reprise from that. So even running, you know, 15, 15 points, if you're talking end mole, sort of 10 points above range, so say 40 um it could be about 1500 ngdl then um what you're going to find is that though your blood won't continue to thicken it won't come back down and then you go (laughs) on your next cycle and it thickens again and then you batho and then it thickens again and eventually you get to a point where it's problematic um so you know it's not that there's a right way the wrong way in essence the bottom line is the more drugs you take or the longer you're on an elevated hormone level, the more management is going to require to keep that in some form of check. Yeah. Um, and not just blood, but cholesterol, adulteration, and everything else that goes with it. So you have two choices, really. You can run what is being coined sports TRT doses between cycles, but you're going to have more maintenance to do in looking after your health. You're going to have to do more cardio to maintain heart health. You're going to have to supplement your, your cholesterols. You're going to have to manage your blood thickening. You're going to have to watch your blood pressure. So there's all sort of things you need to do. What we tend to do as bodybuilders and drug users is we tend to always go for the simple drug solution rather than what is potentially the better option, which is the hard work solution. Um, so mainly a lot of people will look to stuff like blood thinners in the sense of nedokinase, IP6, blood letting to manage their blood thickness. They'll look to supplementation to improve their cholesterol and they'll look to blood pressure medications, um, particularly things like Ramipril or Telesmartin to manage that side of things when actually, you know what? some good old hard cardio would go a long way to help all of that stuff. It wouldn't cure it. No way. You'd still need some of the stuff on top, but it would still be a very positive way forward to help your general health uh, and management of drugs. All right. So we have another question here and I I don't see it offhand, uh, but the question was basically the guy is running a cycle. Uh, His, his levels are decently high 
he was running aromasin a couple times a week and um, his estrogen was something like 49, something like that. And then he stopped running it and it went up to 70. Maybe I can't remember what the dosing was on the gear, but it made sense. It made sense that he wasn't doing anything to control estrogen. So the estrogen went up. And his question is, is why is he so responsive to this? Why is he having such a turnover? Um, and why is his estrogen going so high? Actually, you know what it was? It, um, he was on, I think, like a high TRT dose. That's what it was. High TRT dose, uh, using aromasin to control estrogen at a 49. When he stopped the aromasin, it went up to 70. So a lot of times, here's what I hear. And I, I actually kind of prepared something for this one. But... Um, a lot of times what we hear, and you've heard people say this, oh, I'm a high aromatizer. You know what I mean? It's like, what does that mean? I'm a high aromatizer. When the thing that I always wonder, and I learned this from Victoria, is our clearance. You know, how good are we at actually clearing hormones? Hey, what's up, guys? I wasn't happy with how this segment went I, through conversation. I feel like it maybe got a little bit confusing. So I'm going to drop this in right here. And hopefully this is a more simplified explanation. So the issue is I've met a lot of people that they tell me that, hey, I'm a high aromatizer. And how do they get to this conclusion? Because even on TRT levels of test, they've had high estrogen. So naturally, that's the conclusion they've drawn. But they aren't looking at elimination. I mean, yeah, conversion to estrogen is one factor, but how about how quickly we get rid of the estrogen we have? There's a process called glucuronidation. And in this process, uh, our body produces glucuronic acid. It binds to estrogen and other uh, toxins, and it prepares them to be eliminated from our bodies. If you're not good at that, then your estrogen is going to be high. Now, counter to glucuronidation is beta-glucuronidase. Basically, beta-glucuronidase goes around and it undoes all the work that our body's done to prepare to eliminate toxins and these waste hormones from our bodies. And there are a lot of things that can cause high beta-glucuronidation. Liver stress, bacterial overgrowth, diet can be a factor like high-protein diets, which we all eat as bodybuilders, and low-beneficial flora. So how do we address this? Number one, if you have an overgrowth of unhealthy bacteria, that's going to produce more beta-glucuronidase. It's going to swim around your body and uncouple all the work you've done to eliminate too much estrogen. So that's something you can definitely get checked out. You'd have to dig into this more. I'm not going to go into that here. There's a lot more. In fact, this is just a really simple explanation. Using pre and probiotics can be helpful. Uh, using dietary fiber, increasing your intake of green veggies. All these things will help the healthy flora in your system that's going to battle high beta-glucuronidase. You can also support the liver. All of this takes place in the liver. So if you're somebody who tends to always seem to have high estrogen, then maybe you want to think twice about things like using oral steroids. Plus, you can think about supporting your liver with supplements like NAC, milk thistle. Basically, we want to reduce liver stress. And we can use calcium to glucose. Great, great supplement. And this is one that Victoria introduced me to a couple years ago. And I've seen the results. A thousand milligrams to start. I've seen people be able to dramatically lower their estrogen levels with that alone. So I just wanted to give you guys a basic explanation of this. I've been hearing so many people tell me they're a high aromatizer and it just might not be the case. So you might not necessarily have to rely on a ton of AIs or adding a, another whole steroid to the mix like Masteron. There might be another way that you can keep your estrogen in range. So anyway, guys. Hope you enjoyed this little segment. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any one simple solution. So I'm going to give you a, a couple of examples. I mean, there's also stuff like alcohol. 
which will increase the conversion yes. of testosterone to estrogen. There's body fat, which will increase the, the, the conversion of testosterone to estrogen. What it there does, are Dave, those- it's not just the increasing, it's it stops the estrogen from getting broken down so that then the mm. estrogen pools up. Yeah, alcohol yeah, is another one of those factors. There's lots of things with alcohol and body fat levels that affect the way estrogen works. And there is just our genetics. I know someone who on the 180 milligrams of testosterone a week, legit, yep. tested the shit out of this. His test level was 200 and odd, and more. Okay. 10 times natural range. Oh, no kidding. On 180 milligrams. Okay, wow. Because he does not metabolize test. Yeah. It's ridiculous how much it stays in his system. Uh, And then I've just had one, another one, on testosterone, low dose, TRT dosing, still producing FSH and LH. So we stopped the test, waited two weeks. Now, he, his test level was 31 mol, so you're looking around the 1200 mark NG deal. Yeah. Uh, we stopped the test. We waited two weeks, and his test levels have dropped by half. So there's no doubt there was genuine testosterone in the drugs he was using. Otherwise, his levels wouldn't have declined. Right. But his FS and LH have stayed present throughout. Yet on 600 milligrams of test a week, his FSH and LH were suppressed. No kidding. So, so he has a, a higher tolerance in regard his feedback for shutdown. Hmm. So he doesn't shut down on TRT. Yeah. How long I've was he on TRT it. for? Well, he came off the back of a cycle and went on to TRT. Oh, I see. Is, so how it all started, he was questioning the legitimacy of the drugs. Yeah. Because he's like, my FSH and LH have started back up, so this gear must be crap. Yeah. And I said, well, the easy way to test that is to just stop taking it for two weeks and retest your levels. If your levels decline, you know your gear was not crap because you know that your test levels have not been produced by your fit signal hormones. They're being produced in part, at least, by the drug you're taking. Yeah. So he recovered even though he went off cycle onto a TRT. Hmm. So back to this guy's situation, um, you know, he's got high estrogen and you know the thought is a lot of times people are just like okay well i guess i need to block the conversion and i guess that is going to help right because then you have Mm -hmm. less test converting to estrogen but you don't end up solving the issue so i you know it's interesting because the more i started learning about this the more i really saw how much steroids will impact our liver i mean i already knew this but to see how it unfolded to see how much they do affect our ability to then break things down so the what are the things you can do? The you know, so calcium deglucurate that will that will work in place of the the glucuronidation that we would have naturally, basically boxing up um, everything to get it like you know waste hormones to get them to remove. But then also just like taking care of your liver in general, and some of it is through nutrition, some of it is through having healthy gut flora, like improving question. your diet. You know, yeah. Question. Question. So, the conversion of testosterone to estrogen is governed by aromatase, right? Okay. 
you're going down the line that uh, calcium gluconate will increase the metabolism of the estrogen, therefore lower the estrogen. Exactly. It won't pull up as high because if you have slow metabolism... But it will also lower the testosterone. It may. I haven't seen it happen, though. Right. So you've only seen it affect the biodegrading or, well, the metabolism of estrogen and not the metabolism of testosterone. Yeah, I haven't seen it make a noticeable difference because, I mean, I've looked at people's labs. We've used calcium to glucurate to lower uh, estrogen levels, like without using an AI. And and we've never seen like, oh, shit, now your test is low, too, you know, because we'll just run tests and then repeat it, you know, four weeks later or whatever. And I'm telling you, man, you can like crash somebody's estrogen with it, too. So I know I was just. Yeah, yeah, I was just generally curious because uh, I didn't know if it would affect estrogen uh, testosterone metabolism in any way as well. You know, I'd wondered the same thing after reading all this stuff, but I haven't seen it. Maybe it, and I can't answer that, honestly, but like I can't answer why, but I can tell you that I haven't seen it have a negative effect. But if you could better can, I mean, because like at the end of the day, what's this guy going to do? He's on like high TRT levels and he, if he wants to stay in that range, um, I mean, what's he going to do? Otherwise, the only other option would be to run an AI for the rest of your life at like a higher dose. You know, he was taking like 25 twice a, twice a week, which for TRT, I feel like that's, you know, it's more already than already quite high. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. already quite high. Yeah. Exactly. So they were talking about, too, like even using things for liver function, like, you know, the, the basic stuff like, uh, you know, and I didn't see them say NAC, but I know that NAC would be super beneficial, like really trying to beef up on your liver support. And this could be from a lot of different things like it could have to do with his gut flora. Now, there, there is a question I have for this gentleman. Yeah. Is he symptomatic of high estrogen or is he basically oh, yeah. on bloods? Yeah, because I do know people that that you look at their blood work and you think, Jesus Christ, they should have a pair of boobs hanging down to their knees, and and they have no water retention or very minimal. They have no sexual dysfunction. They have no gyno, no sensitivity, no nothing, dude. So there is also an element that there are people that will run higher levels of estrogen, but it's their normality, yeah, and that's where they function. And then when you start to bring that down because you're going off a set of labs they start to experience problems like libido issues and joint pain and all the things that you'd associate with low estrogen, but their estrogen is still in a healthy range. So there's all sorts of factors like that to consider as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Dude, I had 200 estrogen one time, and I wouldn't have ever known it. Like, I got my labs done. I was like, I'm not using an AI. I'm sure it's going to be kind of high, but, I, you know, I'm not having any issues. My estrogen was 200, meaning, like, on a range that went up to 40. And it's like, so I was, you know, what is that? You know, five times as high or four times as high. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have any issues. We're, we're talking 600. The other thing I find as well, and I can't offer an explanation for this, is that estrogen will seem to get to a certain level and then it starts to slow down proportionally to testosterone. You mentioned that once before. I don't know if I've seen that, though. I have, but I don't know why. Okay, so you tell it maybe there's only so much aromatase in your teeth in your body. There, I don't there know. may be, yeah, there may be a there may be a ceiling to how much aromatase the body can produce. I don't know, but yeah, but that would mean <coughs> so, like if you were running, say, eight hundred milligrams of test, uh, you wouldn't. Yeah, maybe you wouldn't double your estrogen levels if you ran sixteen hundred. Yeah, if you were if you're proportional, proportionally, the estrogen seems to ramp quite rapidly at the lower end. 
Yeah. And then as doses start to get really high in testosterone, the estrogen starts to tail off. Yeah. And it doesn't duplicate at the same rate at which the testosterone is doing. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, we got a bunch of other questions here, so I'll just pull some stuff up. Um, let's see. Question for the next episode. 41, 173 pounds, 18% body fat, been on 200 TRT and training his butt off for two years. I'm starting my first cycle with 125 milligrams of test E, 75 milligrams of NPP, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I front loaded with 500 P5P at Dave's suggestion. I have, aromat I have aromacin and aromidex on hand. Uh, does all this sound reasonable? Any suggestions? And which of the two AIs would you use if the need arises? Thank you both for uh, what you do to educate our community. Thank you I for the nice post. The, it was very I easy cannot, to read too. I cannot see the need not arising. Uh, basically 375 mega tests and 225 mega MPP, I would suspect there will be some estrogen elevation. Yeah, yeah. But I would have thought you're not going to need a huge amount. And my first shout would be aromacin just for the fact that it's not cholesterol adulterating. But if it's not heavy enough, then obviously you could switch to the ADEX for a more effective AI. I would agree with that. And this is his first cycle. He could make some good progress on this, too. Mm -hmm. It's a nice little boost, and it's not crazy talk, either. Although, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think it's fine. The, I tell you, one thing I'd like to get into, uh, just bouncing back to the fact that we were touching on the differences between individuals and their tolerances, etc. Yeah is that a lot of guys in the UK will look to the USA for guidance on TRT dosing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You may have uh, mentioned I, this a couple episodes ago. I think I know where you're I going. Have, yeah, and I have mentioned this before. And I find it quite strange that I look at Americans' lab work and their toleration of, say, 200 mega tests a week, a genuine 200 mega test a week, because a lot of these guys are getting it prescribed at those doses. Um, it's quite good. And then I see the same reflected in a UK individual and their blood works abysmal. Hmm. Uh, and there does seem to be a difference in tolerance with drugs genetically based from country to country as well. Hmm. And now we see this in red cells. Um, so see there's a huge Asian population in, in the UK. It was, it was very encouraged in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, a lot of people re... re oh, fucking hell. Um, moved from Pakistan or India to the UK. Okay. And those communities have grown. And, and what I see on a regular basis is naturally a much higher red cell count in Asian populations than I do in natural-born, you know, historic UK residents, uh, white Caucasian. Um, and, and obviously that triggers on our ranges as being high when in fact it's not, it's pretty much natural for, for that populace. Um, and I am sure the same is, is around drugs as well. And, and it is interesting that the USA ranges are higher than the UK ranges when it hmm. comes to testosterone. Yeah. I wonder, it'd be cool to see like a, I'd like to see like a, um, a chart or like a picture of the world and show like average test levels in each country. You know what I mean? Mm. All right. What else do we have here? Um, 
Okay, so I'll jump to this guy here. Oh, that's the one we just did. All right, how about this Is guy Is that the here? one you couldn't find? No, that was the one about, uh, that was the first question. Um, been in the gym for eight years, been using gear for five. Current cycle is 750 test, 500 EQ, 250 trend. Um, I'm 6'1", 116 kilograms. DEXA says 15.5% body fat. What would be a starting dose and a... Um, He's looking for growth. Okay, so what can he do with growth hormone without getting numb hands is what he's looking for. I'd say two to three IU every other day to start. Every other day? You prefer the every other day than the every day. What, what is your reasoning behind that? Firstly is side management. Secondly is insulin resistance development and adulteration of thyroid. I think if you're running GH as a long-term protocol, EOD, if you're running it pre-comp as a fat loss agent, then you would move to ED, but you would also be bringing in stuff like T4 to support thyroid anyway. So that would offset that. But I'm not a fan of running T4 off-season to offset the upregulation of T4 to T3 from growth. Okay. Um, I like off-seasons to be not drug-free because that's not viable, but the minimal amount of drug use that we can get away with to achieve the goal we're looking to do. And I don't see the point in bringing unnecessary drugs in. And I don't see a huge benefit from EDGH in the off season over EDGH in a comp prep where I think growth comes into its own much more. That makes sense. All right. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you for all your help and all your support with doing this show. Uh, if you're on YouTube, leaving comments, stuff like that. Of course, subscribing, that helps. If you're on iTunes, if you could leave us a good five-star review, that definitely makes a difference for other people being able to find our programming. And thank you to everybody from Patreon. You guys are legitimately like together. All of you giving $5 or $10 per month, it literally has created a small income so that I can do this full time. Thank you to our first and original sponsor, True Nutrition. They believed in us before anybody else did, which I'm so grateful for. And it's a great, it's a great marriage because they have supplements that I've believed in and that I've suggest long before they had anything to do with our programming. That's why I asked them to be a part of it. Use our code THINK over there. Get some additional savings on supplements that you can trust. In the UK, check out Strom Sports Nutrition. They've got some really awesome health stacks, some performance stuff too. Uh, if you're in the UK, definitely check out Strom. Tell them that we sent you. And of course, supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. I mean, some of their deals are just absolutely crazy. They'll be like on label changes or overstock products. You might get like a, a granite supplement for 20 bucks. So definitely check them out if you're in Canada. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. So thank you guys for watching. Let's get back to the program. Pulling up the next one here. How about... Uh... Which is harder, losing weight or gaining weight? My friend is an ecto-mezzo, and I'm a mezzo-endo. I wanted to challenge him, so I asked him to see if he can gain 10 pounds in 16 weeks and me lose 45 pounds in 16 weeks. He, he explained, that's impossible. I called BS. What do you guys think? And both of us are natural. A lot depends on where you where you are at start point. You know, I mean, if if you're 
genetically prepositioned to gain weight uh, and you've not already exploited that to a large extent, then your weight gain is going to be relatively simple to do. Yeah. But if you've already pushed the limit on that, then further weight gain is going to be difficult. The same with weight loss. You know, if you've artificially increased your body fat levels and you're naturally lean, then rapid weight loss is going to be fairly easy. But if you're already lean, then you might not have 45 pounds to bloody lose. Yeah, if he, if he like, say, <laughs> before they start, he should, like, go out and really binge up on carbs for a week, you know, push his weight up 15 pounds, and then he'll get himself a little head start. Plus, drink a gallon of water, that, but you know, right before you get on the scale. No yeah, so, too. you know, but, yeah, I mean, genetics do play a role in this, and... You know, some of us are have a predisposition for weight gain, where some of us have a predisposition for weight loss. We've all worked with clients where the amount of calories they have to consume to gain weight is insane yeah. in comparative to others where we're having to borderline starve them to get the weight off them. You know, yeah. and metabolisms will move as well in the sense of, I mean, I'd like to do a lot of work with clients on, on getting metabolisms in their healthiest situation, i.e. making sure blood glucose sensitivity is good. Okay. Um, because that's going to help with weight loss. If you are insulin resistant, you are going to struggle to lose weight. It's as simple as that. Your body's not going to want to do it. So, and, and so thyroid health and, and blood sugar health is important in weight management, either up or down. Um, and they do play roles in all this. So there's there's lots of factors that can affect our ability to lose or gain weight outside just the genetics of where we are. Yeah. I say he takes him up on the deal and then he gets on some the the guy who wants to lose the weight just like gets on a bunch of, you know, DMP and clan and thyroid and proves his friend wrong. You know what I'm saying? There's a guy over here got no, sent this. Three years and one month for selling DMP this morning. Oh, you're kidding me. No. Wow. Huh. How was he selling it? Was he selling it like in person, online? How did that go? I'm not sure if he... I, I'm not too or thing with the case in, in the sense of was, was there evidence of sale or was it just possession with intent to sale? I, be, I, I would suspect it would be capsules. Um but it seems a particularly strong sentence, but they did very much focus in the case on, on deaths related to DMP. I think it was quoted that there was been 33 deaths associated with DMP in the UK. Okay. Wow. So, but he got hammered. Tony huge. I think that's the reason he fled the country here. Cause he, he was selling it. And I think that I, I have a feeling that's what it was. I think he had a company for that and, I think he. I I think I got a friend request of him this week. Yeah, that's possible. You know, hmm? that's possible. Or you got a fake Tony Huge, one of the two. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I thought it was, so I didn't bother looking at it. But it may not have been. Yeah. Um. Do you guys think you need to come off cycle after X amount of weeks if your health markers are all fine? It seems that more and more people are talking about not needing to come off cycle if your health markers are in check. I think you've got to be careful there. Um, our blood markers do give us an opportunity to look at certain things, but they are definitely not all-encompassing. Uh, and generally, they are a bit shit at protective heart health. Mm. 
So things like uh, my garden thickening uh, and problems uh, around valves and such like, it's not going to show on blood. You're yeah. not going to see that. Yeah. So I think there is a, an element of that that is correct, but there is an element of that that is misleading as well. Also, uh, you're not going to, I mean, are you still growing? That's the other factor. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there's going to come a point where a cycle becomes less productive. And at that point, you either have to increase or take a break. So it's not just a matter of health. It's a matter of progress, too. And I think that sometimes we get mentally sucked into wanting to stay on to try to get that extra pound. When in reality, if we were to pull back, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, and take a short break... You can retool, get yourself ready to go again. Maybe look at your training. Look at what what do you need to do? Look at it as a time to say, to reflect and be like, okay, what am I going to do this next run? You know, take that time down, get ready, retool, and then push up again and try to do better. You know? It is it is very difficult to maintain a high level of pushing. Yeah. Um, it is mentally exhausting. Uh, and most people I see that stay on extended cycles end up in this very um, half-assed situation where yeah. their training's half-assed, their diet's half-assed, their drugs are half-assed, and then they get into a situation where they can't stop or don't want to stop the drugs because the training's gone off point, the diet's gone off point, and they get punished when they do stop the drugs. Yeah. Where if, if they'd maintain their training and diet, the drugs could be reduced or stopped for a period of time to reset and go again. It is difficult to maintain a hard slog day in, day out. We all need breaks. In, in whatever we do, you know, be it work, be it emotion, be it social, be it, be it bodybuilding progress or drug use. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think from a mental capacity, you need some downtime. I agree 100%. Yeah, retool, do it again, come back stronger. I mean, Christmas we're in an it. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, we're in an industry where excessive celebrated, you know, more is always better, more is always good. And and the simple truth of it is, it's not. Agreed. Christmas Cabbage Fan Club checking in. Dave's been in a good mood recently. Has he won the lottery? No, to be honest, um, life has really been pretty fucking sucky for a while. Why? Just, just lots of shit going on, uh, very tired, quite a lot of stress load at the moment, juggling a lot of things. Uh, and, yeah, just I've, I'm, I'm desperately in need of some downtime, as we were just discussing. <laughs> well, Ian, Ian seems to think you've been in a good mood, so you've been hiding it well. I'm, I'm very conscious of the fact that I know I'm a little bit short and sharp, so I, I have being very conscious of trying to not be all right bad man eight he says eightful he says what's the craziest cycle you've ever run well i mean uh, three gram a test gram and half a trend it's pretty crazy so four and a half grams any any oxys in there don't think so. Don't remember. That's a mm. lot of oil, man. Yeah, I've done 
I've done 200 meg for I've done 100 meg of oxy, 100 meg of anavar for a short period of time, but that was short lasting and not because of any health issues, because the pumps were that fucking crippling. I couldn't train. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, with that trend cycle was 27 IU of GH as well. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of GH, man. It's a lot of money there. Hmm. I remember that was, front that loading. That was the proceeds of UC1 that paid for that GH. That was about the time I met you, too. You're like, yeah, this is what I'm going to, this is what I'm doing, you know? I remember front loading, Dave. I was doing a, I think it was a 700 milligram per week EQ cycle. I had test in there, too. Uh, it was either at either a gram or 1.25. I never went past 1.25. And I figured to myself, well, since this takes forever, I, so I ran EQ once before. And I ran it at 400. I was like, this stuff is crap. doesn't do anything. And after a few years, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it again. But this time, I'm going to make sure I do it right. I'm going to run it at 100 milligrams every day. And I started out, I was like, and to make sure that I get a strong effect because it takes forever to kick in, I'm going to front load it. I started out with 200 milligrams a day of EQ for the first two weeks. It was a lot. It was a lot. 1.4 gram a week. Yeah. Yeah. And the test was doubled as well. So it, 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 it was like the first first one to two weeks somewhere in there. At least at least a week, possibly two weeks. And it kicked in. It, it turned out to be a really good cycle, actually. I made a lot of progress <laughs> on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, we have all these discussions about health management and keeping safe and everything else. But there's no denying big cycles do work but there is a price for these big cycles and, and it's just whether the individual is willing to pay that absolutely and at the time man i definitely was i was like yeah i want this to happen no matter what um that said i, I was okay with it you know my health those, fine and all that. those decisions sometimes change when people are faced with the reality of what they may have done to themselves absolutely absolutely as in your case right I have no regrets. No, I don't. I My opinion hasn't changed at all. I would still do those cycles if I had my time again. Would you do it again, uh, though, now? Yeah, like, it, yeah. And put yourself in the same health position? Yes, I would change a few things, but I wouldn't change the drug doses. Okay. What would you have changed? Cardio. Cardio? You think that single factor would, would have... No, I'm not, I'm not saying it would, but I would maintain much better health cardio. Um, One other thing. Whether that would offset everything, I don't know. But I'm a product of my journey, and that journey, yeah, there are things. Do I want the arthritis? No, but then I shouldn't have done thousand-pound calf raises. Do 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 I want the heart failure? No, but then I shouldn't have been four hundred and fifteen pounds. Do I want? No, I, I don't want any of my health considerations that I now have. But I wouldn't change the journey because that's got me to who I am now, and I quite like me. I know other people don't, but I do. One other thing you mentioned before, you're like, when you ran the big cycle that ended up being the bad cycle, you said you, you had went into that after not really having the, the downtime you needed. You weren't fresh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would, would you probably would have changed that if you, if we could go back and like retool that, that last cycle, I bet you that would probably be a factor too, wouldn't it? Like give I yourself the, that time. The, the only thing I'd have probably changed is I would have come off when I had the back problems and I would have stayed off until they were resolved. Mm. Uh, and I would have done more cardio uh, okay. throughout. 
but I would have still gone four or five gram cycles without doubt. I'd have still experimented in that essence, yes. Yeah. But yeah, there would have been foundations around that that would be different, definitely. Um, I, I, I accept my, my health as a cost for what I've done. And as far as I'm concerned, it's, I'm happy with the price, but not everybody would be. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing you've got to be willing to pay. Um, does Dave have plans to go, to come to Northern Ireland? Also, um, if he doesn't mind sharing, have there been any updates on his heart attack? I'm working through old episodes and hope that he is still doing well in this heat. This is from Christopher on Patreon. I've been in Northern Ireland several times. Yeah. Um, no current plans to, to revisit at the moment. Um, Heart-wise, yeah, I'm good. Um, doesn't affect me day to day. I don't have any particular issues. I am awaiting a phone consultation uh, with my cardiac consultant, which I'm sure was supposed to be two weeks ago and I still haven't heard from him. But other than that, yeah, I'm fine. No, no real day-to-day -day issues whatsoever. Look at that. People love you, Dave. I don't know why. Um, question for drugs and stuff from Georgina. She says, and this is also from Patreon, could spironolactone, aldactone, prescribed for acne, have any negative effects on ability to build muscle? Thanks for any advice. Love the show. Yes. It is. Oh, you want to know why? It is an <laughs> anti-androgen, correct? It is, it is all, it will also strip glycogen out of the muscle as well, yeah. Okay. And it's an anti-androgen, but that said... I think that for somebody that, so if you're prescribed it for acne uh, and you stop taking it and then you take more androgens, say from gear, um, wouldn't that probably lead to, I mean, she's not saying she's using androgens, but there's a balance, I, right? Because like, you know. Yeah, there is. Um, I think the other factor though, the bit that I would be, I wouldn't say concerned with, but the bit I, I, would be focused on was the fact that it strips glycogen. Um, so you're going to get a reduction in glycogen storage within the muscle, which, which would potentially impact your performance in the gym and therefore your ability to stimulate growth. Yeah. If she's getting acne, I wonder, is that the only like androgenic effect that she's dealing with? Would there be more, you know, is she natural? You know, cause mm. I know that women use, this kind of a medication to kind of um, reverse virilization to, you know, as best they can to kind of like re-feminize, I guess they, they would probably call it the women that are doing it. Hmm. What else do we have here? Uh, got a couple more. Question for the next show. I'm going to be adding HGH into my TRT. Kind of similar. We had a question like this already. He has 200 units and he's planning to do two to four every other day until he runs out. Uh, I work shift work, so I won't be able to dose it at the same time every day. Will I get any positive results from this or is it a waste of money? Diet and training are dialed in. Thank you guys. Keep up the good work. You will get some body recomposition, I would have thought. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so too. 
And um, this is an interesting one from Nick at Patreon. He says, I'd like to know your thoughts on drugs and stuff, or it's just bodybuilding. Running testosterone and steroids, more like the wild animals' naturally uh, natural hormones. Running high during mating season, then cruise to, uh, till hibernation um, when you where you run none. Um, sort of a new experiment I'm thinking of doing if I have the patience for it. Um, idea is to maximize health and performance. Example, high levels in spring, cruise in summer, and fall, then completely off for winter. Dose example, 500 milligrams of test through March through May, 250 June through November, and then zero for December and February. Thoughts? Do you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. That's dumb as shit. You're dumb as shit. So, no testosterone through the winter months when we have a massive decline in vitamin D, we have a massive decline in serotonin, we have a massive decline in GABA, and then you want to stack on that low test? Good luck with you're that. Gonna be, you're going to be as miserable <laughs> as fuck, my son. Um, no, mate. Um, I get the point, uh, but no. Um we are not animals, our hormones don't work. We are animals, should I say, but we are not animals in that sense. Our hormones don't work in that way. Uh, our hormones fluctuate daily. We don't have an increase at any period of time. We're not naturally designed to have an increase at any period of time. We don't mate in summer. We mate all year round. Um, so our peak for mating is usually morning or late evening. Is it really? Um, yeah, yeah, we we peak in the morning, we drop off, and then we get some recovery in the evening. Um, okay. But that's natural. The thing is, if you're going to stop all test supplementation after being on for six, seven months, are you doing a PCT? If you are, are you going to recover? That is questionable. Is recovery going to be decent? And you're putting yourself at low testosterone at the worst time of year. Yeah. If anything, if you want to do an experiment in where you had a peak level of testosterone for an extended period of time, I would flip it on its head and do the peak in winter. Because that's where you're going to want the benefit of higher testosterone much more than you are in summer when your other bodily hormones are at peak and therefore giving you more support from the point of view of mental health and physical well-being. I wonder if Nick runs TRT, because if so, when he comes off, then it's just like you're depriving your body of a much needed hormone, you know? Mm. Yeah, you, you, you know, you've got to remember, we need tests. We function with it. Yeah. It's part of what we do. And if you can't guarantee recovery to a healthy level, then periods of being off with low level is going to be negative to your health. Yeah. Couple with that, a period of time when things like SADS is prevalent, low vit D is prevalent, and our other feel-good factor hormones are in decline, you really are setting yourself up for a huge depressive episode if you're not careful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah there, I don't think it's a good move, personally. I mean, there's even uh, Iceland, Finland, Norway, places like that, where they have periods of potential darkness, perpetual darkness, should I say. Yeah. Their cultures actually have developed in where, in those periods of time, they actually visit friends on an evening. They socialize more. 
because they know mentally that they need it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's culturally driven, but that's the reason behind it. You know, when you live in perpetual darkness, you're miserable as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, Victoria's sister lives pretty far north in Canada. Like, she's not far from Alaska. And they have a period of time where the sun doesn't go down completely and the sun doesn't come up completely. It'd be wild, man. And you find culturally in those communities, they become very sociable in the in the periods of perpetual darkness in that they visit friends and family a lot. They go to other people's houses a lot. Yeah. They don't isolate themselves. To the opposite, wouldn't it be weird to be like midnight and it's still light outside? Yeah, I've, I've experienced it for a short period of time. It is weird as fuck. That's Where were you? Black. Iceland. Oh, when you were in Iceland, it was like that. I've been over to Iceland in the summer when it is perpetual light. And, and yeah, I mean, blinds and blackout blinds are a godsend. These days, obviously, we can maintain darkness in a, as a daylight darkness routine because we can just block out the sun. You know, I didn't realize ever how close Iceland really is to you guys until I was flying home from Germany and I was looking at the little, the, you know, the little map on the plane, the little digital map where you're at and stuff. And I was like, man, if we just went a little north... We crossed over you. I don't know if you saw me. I gave you the finger. Uh, but it, it, it's it's close-ish, but it's it's closer to Canada. Yeah. How how far? How long of a flight is it from the from you? Oh, I think it's about four hours. Yeah, four hours. That's crazy. To yeah. me, that's crazy. That's probably like to you the like the Caribbean. I can get to the Caribbean in three and a half four hours. Caribbean versus, for me is ten. I think. Yeah. Yeah, versus Iceland for me <coughs> is probably like 10, you know, or 8, 9, something like that. See, you would, if you traveled up to the north-north, so yeah. like Alaska and up that way, then it's a very short hop. Huh, okay. Yeah, that's all the questions we got, by the way, Dave. Okay. Yeah. How? Uh, what are you going to do to celebrate this 4th of July? I know everybody who watches this on the on the you know the YouTube version, it's already been 4th. Hopefully nobody blew their hand off. I'm going to do absolutely nothing. Yeah, me too, actually. I'm, I'm going to do absolutely... I was going to take the card out, but it's not running, so I can't. So I'm going to do absolutely nothing. Okay, that sounds like a good day. Um, are, we doing, are we doing dad advice today? Yeah. You got any Uncle Dave's uh, Uncle Dave's wisdom for us? Yes, I have actually. Yeah, do you think about this one ahead of time? No, not so much. So I go. I'm I'm very think, analytical in myself. In I, that I think I, Dave likes this segment, guys. I review me. I review things I do. I review reactions, and I look at things in that sense of you know, could I have done that better? Where did I go wrong? And all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and the human nature does interest me, um, and, and and why people do things and thought processes and stuff like that. I like watching people. I, I like looking at how people react. And um, we spend a lot of our lives pursuing happiness. Sure. And we pursue happiness through economic gain, be that the acumen of material things or be that increased financial independence and security we pursue happiness through relationships or through our social standing through our our achievements both academic and physical 
particularly in the bodybuilding world, we, we pursue, we pursue happiness through getting a certain level physique. Sure. And I think a lot of people confuse happiness with enjoyment. Money won't buy you happiness, but it'll buy you a hell of a lot of enjoyment. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? You have a damn good time when you're rich. Yeah. But doesn't mean you're going to be happy. Uh, and and that, and don't get me wrong, though, I'd much rather be miserable and rich than miserable and poor. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Damn right, would I? Um, but t- happiness is very much a state of mind. Yeah. I've met incredibly rich people who are actually unhappy, and I've met incredibly poor and disadvantaged people who are very happy. I've met people who have lost limbs, lost their eyesight, lost their ability to do what they love, but actually remain happy because happiness is actually a state of mind, and it's about seeing the joy in the simple things around you and taking pleasure out of things that aren't driven by money or success. Uh, and so succeeding in business or, or getting an accreditation or, or, or a level of education can give you enjoyment. Mm-hmm. They will never give you happiness until you find happiness within who you are and yourself. Yeah. All the money in the world, I can be the, the, the most accredited individual in the world academically. I can have the most amazing partner. I can be untold wealth but I will never be happy until I'm happy in me. Uh, and I think we confuse enjoyment with happiness way too much. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think you that's know, super common. But then how do we find the happiness, Dave? How do we find the happiness within ourselves? What's the answer? The first thing is to be honest with who you are and, and about who you are um, without judgment. So I listened to a very interesting um, interview this morning, and I haven't watched it all yet. But a a lot of it was about that we have base instincts, and then we have our conscious self or our pursuit for knowledge and the two conflict. So our basing, we've often said that the human condition is because our primal instincts are aggressive and and to gain land or to gain a territory and to gain a mate and to you know increase our population Uh, and actually what they now say is that that our conflict comes from the fact that our base instincts don't align with our conscious self and our conscious self questions things that our base instincts then say is wrong so our aggression actually comes from our conscious self and us being confused and uh, feel like we're failing because we're not living up to our base instincts. We're, we're questioning things and we're looking for, for reason and thought within things. Uh, and what the, 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 the real simple example of this is Adam and Eve, I'm not saying that this is true story, but as an example, Adam and Eve were happy in the Garden of Eden until they required knowledge. And then when they acquired knowledge, they questioned their existence. And that created friction and turmoil. Their ignorance gave them happiness. Their pursuit for knowledge gave them question and doubt. So it's our intelligence that creates our, our unhappiness. Yeah, I can see that. So be like um, your, be like my pet, my dog. She's just happy. She's happy to be here. 
We go for a walk every morning. It's her favorite thing in the world. And then she eats, and that's her favorite thing in the world. And later in the day, she sits on the couch with me, and that's her favorite thing in the world. And then guess but, what? We go to bed, and we do the same thing the next day. She loves but it. That, yeah, but that is, that is being at ease with who you are, not yeah. questioning who you are. Yeah. And, and if, if, if you could snip your fingers and go, right, I am completely happy with the way I look. I'm completely happy with what I've achieved. I'm completely happy with my knowledge base. Then all of a sudden, you know, you you are happy. There is no misery. There is no regret. There is no pressure to achieve. There is no pressure to be X, Y, Z. Yeah. We create all this pressure ourselves. So I'm a great believer in first of all accepting where you are and who you are without judgment, and that is difficult. That is difficult to do. It's difficult to say this is who I am and not judge yourself from being there because our whole moral construct judges us. It's getting real deep our, here. Our whole social aspect judges us. You know, we should look a certain way. We should adhere to a certain financial income. We should have a certain level of education and success. And it's actually all bullshit. It's all created by society. It's nothing that we actually need. And then once you've accepted who you are and you're content with that, then you can say, but I want to change this. But be aware that you're only changing it because of social pressure. You don't have to be ripped. You don't have to have a six-pack. You don't have to have 20-plus in charms. That's all social pressure. And what you deem as creating happiness from achieving that goal isn't. What you're going to create is enjoyment, not happiness. You're going to enjoy looking like that because you'll get the adoration of people around you. And the trick is, and it's difficult, but the trick is to be happy without requiring that being reinforced by other people. All right. Well, that's all we got time for. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Comment with questions. We'll have, like I said, we'll have Dusty for the next episode. Dusty wants to meet you. He didn't take a lot of gear. I have met him in passing at, I think, somewhere like the Arnold's. Oh, okay. His first cycle was 100 milligrams of Primo per week, and he blew up on it. He blew up on it, dude. <laughs> like, he blew up on it. And uh, he never really had to run a lot of gear. So he, he just was one of those guys. He doesn't have the prettiest shape, but he knows it, you know? Just strong as hell. And uh, he grew a lot of money, muscle through DC training. I don't think I needed to run high doses of the gear. I wanted to. Yeah. You wanted to see what it was like, huh? Yeah, yeah, I wanted to see what it could do. Yeah, we got a lot of people like that. They're like, you know, what's the magic of two grams? What is it like, you know? Anyway, so guys, comment with questions. If you have any questions for Dusty. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, see you guys next week for another episode of Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. We will see you soon. Of course, go to Crossland. Oh, no, not Crossland's dot. Don't even go there. But you can reach out to Dave on his social media uh, if you're interested in working with him. You can reach out to me, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. Of course, Strom Sports Nutrition, for those of you in the UK, great uh, performance and awesome health supplements, including really good health stacks. Check them out in the UK. TrueNutrition.com. Use our code THINK. Great supplements over there for those of us in the US. SupplementSource.ca. Uh, great deals that change week to week. And of course, EvalBloodAnalysis.com. By the time everybody sees this, 
the uh, seminar will have already happened in Holland. But that said, Dave, uh, for anybody watching it on the live stream, once again, where is that at? Oh, now you've asked me a question. A total muscle in, uh, oh, God, where is it? In, in, in Veldhoven. Veldhoven. Mm. All right. See you guys in Veldhoven. <laughs>